Thank you for calling 1-800-REL-HELP. Your question is very important to us. A scholar will be with you shortly. Every question is an important one, and the scholars on call at 1-800-REL-HELP are eager to provide information on your requested topic. Thank you for choosing 1-800-REL-HELP for answers to your most burning questions about religion. Our scholars are more than well equipped to answer any questions you may have. Thanks for calling 1-800-REL-HELP. This is Dana. How may I help you? Hello. I am calling because I keep hearing about law and religion in the news. Like when the Supreme Court said that churches in New York can stay open during COVID, or how newly nominated Supreme Court Justice Amy Conan Barrett's Catholicism might affect religious freedom in America. And I'm confused. I thought the Constitution said that law and religion are separate. Now it sounds like religion is really important to law. Was I wrong, or is law actually religious? This is a great question. I'm glad you called. You are right that the Constitution, or actually the Bill of Rights, promises religious freedom, which we have understood to mean a separation between church and state. But in reality, as those news items you mentioned demonstrate, things are more complicated. Religious studies scholars have understood religion broadly to include beliefs, practices, and material culture. All of those things construct our identities and rule our lives, both as individuals and as groups, national groups, ethnic groups, racial groups, religious groups. So the distinction between law and religion is not a simple matter. I don't understand. Can you give me an example? Well, I write about Native American law and religion. When we talk about Native American law, we may refer to any of the following, federal Indian law, tribal law, international law. We may think about documents such as treaties between the United States government and a specific tribal nation, or the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Some of these include references to religious traditions or practices, but indigenous scholars and lawyers clarify that for many of their communities, there is no distinction between law, creation stories, and ceremony. What do you mean? What does indigenous law look like? Indigenous law is rich. It includes stories and dreams, and it asks to shape relationships among human beings and between humans and the non-human environment. It means that indigenous law is based upon creation stories, that it governs relationships with sacred lands and waters as well as with the Creator and that it includes not only what we see in American courtroom TV drama, you know, two lawyers interrogating witnesses in front of a judge wearing a robe and 12 jurors, but also things that are oftentimes classified as ritual, such as burning tobacco. So for indigenous peoples, law and religion are not two separate things. This might mean that the category of religion or religious does not fit to describe indigenous communities at all. However, settlers define as quote-unquote religion what they see indigenous peoples practice as law. They do this in order to distinguish indigenous religious law from the secular law settlers themselves practice. Majority groups often do this to other minorities as well. But if their law is religious, why should the United States recognize it as legitimate? Aren't Native Americans also American? 
Shouldn't they obey the law like everyone else? The answer to this question depends on the context. For example, the federal government recognizes some tribal legal systems as valid, depending on how the specific tribe is organized and in which state it resides. In states such as California, tribes have jurisdiction over their people in legal cases related to adoption, for example. In these cases, tribal court rulings can be based on religious values and the state or federal government will not intervene. This happens in other countries as well. For example, in Israel-Palestine, where I grew up, state courts and religious courts have concurrent jurisdiction over cases related to marriage and divorce. So if a Muslim couple goes to a Sharia court to handle their divorce, or if a Jewish couple goes to a rabbi's court to fight over custody, the state would recognize this court's authority over this case. Okay, so do these religious communities just ignore state law? How is that fair? This is a great question, and the answer, again, depends on context. Here in the U.S., some indigenous nations do not recognize the federal government's authority over their people. For example, the Haudenosaunee have their own passports, and they govern their communities according to the Great Law of Peace, which is their oral constitution, seen by some religious studies scholars as a religious system. Hasidic communities similarly govern themselves with as little engagement with state agents as possible. What I mean is that in many cases, we decide whether or not to go to state court, and communities who don't recognize the authority of the state can oftentimes avoid it. But we also see communities using state law strategically. Indigenous communities in the U.S. and Canada have tried to protect their sacred sites in federal courts. Conservative evangelicals in the UK have tried to protect their right to wear religious symbols in public in both British and European courts. There are many examples. As you mentioned yourself, mainline Christians also use secular state law to determine that their churches can stay open during lockdown. This is also strategic. As we said before, those majority groups define their law as secular and advanced and minority groups' law as religious and primitive. But then, when it suits them, they do bring religion back into the courts. I guess this is why we care so much about the religious identity of our Supreme Court justices. I guess so. All these examples teach us that the question of law and religion is really about power and authority, and different individuals and communities negotiate them differently. Does this make sense? I think I get it now. Thanks. You're welcome. And thanks for calling 1-800-ARIEL-HELP. Have a great day. one 800 ariel help is an American Examples production in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama and is funded by a grant from the Henry Luce Foundation. This episode was produced by Dana Lloyd, Jack Bernardi, and Erica Bennett. A video version of this podcast is available on YouTube. Just search American Examples. Find out more about American Examples at our website, americanexamples.ua.edu. Also, follow the Department of Religious Studies on Twitter and Instagram at the handle StudyReligion or on Facebook at facebook.com slash rel at ua. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
and give us a rating and review. Music credits to www.bensound.com. And I'm confused.